This is Kompola Toshiaki Sakura, and you are listening to Musha Arase. さんこんにちは。ピクセルデッドオーディオエピソード57ですけど、ブライアンです。ジェームズです。And today's topic is all about the music of Musha Elise on the Sega Genesis. Yeah, and if you listened to our last episode, you know that we did a part of the Elise series right before this.、So. Right, for the, all the Game Gear games,、mm-hmm. or both Game Gear games rather. But、uh, yeah, we wanted to kind of cover this game first, actually. And、mm-hmm. then when we started looking at the other ones, we're like, you know what, we should really talk about the Game Gear. They have Awesome soundtracks, and they're a lot of fun to play. So、uh, yeah. it made sense that we did that one first. And now, kind of the cream of the crop, I think,、yeah. is、uh, the Genesis version. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, a game that's known for being amazing and just in every single way. So we got really excited about this. But like you said, when we started looking into the series, we just couldn't help but look at those Game Gear gems. So, but now we're really excited to dive into the meat of、yeah. this. When did you first、uh, find out about Musha? I was at work one day and our friend Chase Bathia messaged me and said, Hey, have you ever heard of this game? Because some other podcast was、um, giving away a copy and、mm-hmm. you know, just a copy of the game is like three, four hundred dollars. So he was like, What is this game? And, and I checked out the soundtrack, which we already had. And I mean, I was completely blown away. And then we started looking into it and we're just like, Oh my God, this is so nuts. Yeah, I can't remember how many times you text me, like, Hey, dude, when are we going to do this Musha episode? Because、yeah. I can't get enough of the soundtrack. Now, I, I had heard the, the music actually. I was more familiar with the music、mm-hmm. than anything. And I hadn't really played the game much until,、uh, well, like recently we dove into it. Yeah, so,、uh, as best I, we could. Yeah, I know it pretty well now. But I mean, you know, it was kind of like one of those titles. Like, I remember the box art very well. Yeah. I'm around like retro gaming stuff all the time. So、mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're, you're not going to miss it. But it is one of those kind of、um, overlooked titles, I think, by、right. a lot. Now, a lot of hardcore gamers. Uh, we'll definitely know the title, but、yeah. I think there are a lot of more mainstream people may have passed it.、So. Yeah. yeah, just that, that price tag of $400 <laughs> or so for a, just a cartridge is just completely insane. Yeah. Well, Musha is a vertical shooter that actually is considered a spin off of the Elise series on the Sega Genesis, and it was developed by Compile, published by Toa Plan in Japan, and Seismic for the US in 1990. So, the official Japanese title is Musha Elise, which translates to something like Warrior Elise. Right.、Uh, but Seismic changed it to an acronym when they brought it stateside. So, the full title of the US version is Musha Metallic Uniframe Super Hybrid Armor. 
It's a little long. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. So that's why we just know it as Musha. Yeah. But regardless of the title, it's a fantastic game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's considered one of the best shoot 'em ups, not only on the Genesis, but of the entire 16 bit era. Yeah. Huge love for its challenging gameplay, awesome graphics, and of course, the excellent soundtrack by Toshiaki Sakoda. That track that we uh, just heard was the title theme of Musha. And if your ears aren't bleeding yet, Oh, we have so much more music to go. Oh, man, it's such an amazing soundtrack. And this is such a great way to start off the, the game with that title screen. I love how it has just such an awesome start, and it, it slowly gets higher and higher. And then that part right. where the it just is so high, I just I love that part so much. <laughs> I love the like, kind of wobbling bass in the mm-hmm. beginning. It's kind of panning left and right, and it kind of creates that like uncomfortable sensation, I mm-hmm. guess, with audio. And uh, it's just a really fun track. In fact, this... You know, I got geared up when I first heard this track, and then I realized, like, wow, this is actually one of the more mellow tracks on the album. So, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, definitely um, will get more intense as we go along. Uh, But I just one of the things that I really liked about this track was all the scaling that it has, Mm -hmm. and then the scales start so high, and then they get like lower than you would imagine that they're able to go. And it's, I just, I love that so much. Yeah. No, it's it's funny to me because when I first heard this, I hadn't really I'd been playing the other at least games mm-hmm. like a lot because of, you know, going through and talking about them and stuff with you. And um, I kind of made a connection. I was like, well, wait a minute. The this track, this intro track, it, the series is a spin-off, mm-hmm. like we had mentioned. But the intro or this first opening theme is the same as the original Elise game on right. the Sega Master System. Do you want to you want to hear that? Yeah, for, it might be good to hear a comparison. Yeah, we'll just play a few seconds of it. But you'll notice it right away. Yeah. You don't get those hardcore guts, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hear it picking up. Yeah. It's essentially the same track. Yeah. But, I mean, the Genesis just did it so good. <laughs> did it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a lot more to work with on the Sega Genesis hardware, right. so it uh, kind of makes sense. Now, we've talked a ton about Compile just in our last episode, so we don't really need to reiterate everything, but they were responsible for a lot of really excellent shooters in the mid-80s through the early 2000s, like the Elise series and the Spriggan series. And they also did some stuff outside of the genre, like Puyo Puyo, Govalius, and Mato Monogatari. Now, Topland, the Japanese publisher, was pretty well known for a truckload of shooters and arcade games, but when they went bankrupt in 1994, a bunch of their employees broke apart, creating other companies in their wake like Cave, Aiding and Rising, Gazelle, and Takumi. Yeah, the U.S. publisher Seismic, we don't know a whole lot about. I guess it was a Japanese company that was only around for a few years, and its sole purpose was publishing Japanese Master System and Genesis titles to the States. Really only like five games. There was Super Hydlide, Hellfire, Air Diver, and RC Grand Prix, but that's it. Mm -hmm. However, we owe them uh, tons of thanks because without them, we might not have seen Musha stateside. Oh, yeah. Now, I was just saying how expensive this cartridge is, anywhere from two to $400, but there was another way to play the game. In 2008, it was released on the Wii Virtual Console and in North America and Europe in 2009. That's pretty awesome. I didn't remember seeing it in the eShop. Yeah. I think the eShop was such a new thing. I wasn't really big into it. Uh, well, I mean, I downloaded a bunch at the time. I think I may have just missed the release of mm-hmm. the show. But anyways, let's get into our next track. This is Full Metal Fighter, and it plays during stage one.
That was Full Metal Fighter, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. That's a great way to, to start stage one. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. It's way intense. He's making love to that keyboard, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, he is going to town. It gets so wild. And then you start hearing like these crazy hammer-ons. That it's like approximating on a keyboard, like hammer-ons mm-hmm. like on a guitar. And, uh, man, this is just totally awesome metal track. I mean, it's so heavy, and you, you just feel like you're just being barraged with notes i mean you can't it's it's really intense right from the start i was really blown away when i first turned on the game and i heard that yeah like with all the the game starting i mean it had these really cool scales and you know just great heroic melody that breaks out of all that there's so it's so heavy so right i know i really like when you got to that bells part mm-hmm. the, the the bells is like ding 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 Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. It just came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. But really cool track, and uh, the rest of the music in this game is so much fun to listen to. And when you're flying around, uh, playing playing that, you know, stage one, and you're hearing this, it really pumps you up mm-hmm. big time. Like, we started, like, sweating. Like, yeah. you just want to start breaking stuff. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, it, it definitely shocks you at first, and then you kind of get used to it a little bit, and it, it kind of, you soak it up. And you get ready to go, and I really like that. So yeah. So let's get into our next track because I mean, I I'm already, my heart is racing so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for the next one. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. The next track is called Galvanic Gear. That was Galvanic Gear that plays during Stage 2 for Musha on the Sega Genesis, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda. Wow. Now, another really, really cool track. I like how it's a little bit slower and a little bit darker and kind of very menacing. And then there's that part where it just gets really galloping. And it, yeah. I just love the, the mixture of this whole track. Yeah, the rhythm guitar is kind of galloping the whole way through, which makes it kind of kind of has that, that progressive, you know, aggressive feeling. Mm-hmm. I think what I like uh, when I start really liking the track is when it gets into that um, that da 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 da, mm-hmm. and it has the um, those. It's almost like this these delicate notes, almost like bells again, but it has the rhythm guitar just kind of like softly going off in the background on mm-hmm. doing its own thing. And I think that contrast is. Uh, re- well, let's hear it real quick. Hold on. I think that's. Um, I think it was channels three and five here. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Very classical, actually. Yeah, we were mentioning that in Gigi Elise that there were some songs that had a very classical feel to them. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, but the the whole soundtrack has a bunch of those little hidden kind of subtleties. Well, not really hidden. I mean, you can they're very noticeable. But I think these really kind of soft touches mm-hmm. for uh, for different stuff that's not necessarily or not you wouldn't necessarily hear in like a metal track or right, something like right. that. I think it makes it pretty awesome. Yeah, Dakota mixes that very classical with a really heavy rock sound very, very well. Yeah. So we said Musha was a spinoff from the Elise series, but it retains many of the same elements from the previous games on the Sega Master System, the MSX, and the like. A noticeable difference, though, is that it stages gameplay in a fantasy-based feudal Japan with more mechanical-like enemies. Yeah, it's got like this futuristic meets old world feel to it. Right, right, right. Another key difference is from the other games, which makes this more of a spin-off, is that instead of flying a ship, you jump into the cockpit of a massive mech, which is everyone's childhood dream. Oh yeah, I know it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> so in the last episode, we had a lot of trouble figuring out the story for Gigi Elise. Yes, we did. Yeah. Luckily, Musha's story is documented so much better. We found a full manual with tons of diagrams and details is so great. Yeah, it's it's a pretty awesome manual actually. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to kind of explore, all sorts of little you know, drawings. And yeah, lots of cool illustrations. Right. Anyways, the game takes place in the year 2290, where the human races started colonizing the solar system, specifically at all of the Lagrangian points. And for those that don't know what Lagrange points are, they're basically spots where small things can orbit larger things without getting any closer or further. So I really love when old games mix all these real-world science stuff to it. Yeah, if only they had done that more, I might be a little bit more smart today yeah, there might have been scientists <laughs> <laughs> anyways the story starts at lagrange gamma the opposite side of the moon at a space station equipped with a supercomputer called dire 51 and at some point the computer's ai starts to multiply and become smarter and smarter and smarter to the point where it decides that it should be the ruler of the solar system yeah and obviously earth is going to be its first place to target Why not? Yeah. Anyways, while the scientists on Earth are trying to figure out what went wrong with the AI, Dire 51 starts developing a new type of armed armor that's fully decked out for war. Now, Earth's forces seem to be able to hold their own, but in order to turn the tides, they have to kind of rethink or repurpose some of their resources. And this is where Musha comes into play. Yeah, Musha was originally designed for construction work in space, so the engineers had to figure out how they could modify them by adding heavy weaponry and shields to create these awesome mechs of destruction. Yeah, and the very latest design prototype, uh, or the most powerful yet, is named Musha Elise. Yeah, and you play as Eleanor, the valedictorian of Air and Space University. They renamed her to Terry in the North American release, for whatever reason, and (laughs) you're sent out with four other Musha to save the Earth. Yeah, except that the others don't last very long. Yeah, they actually die before the first level even starts. (laughs) Right, so you're basically on your own. Right. But it's a single-player game, so it's, you know, whatever. Expected. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into our next track. What do we got? So the next track is called Divine Devise from Stage 4.
That was Divine Devise from Stage 4, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. Another heavy track, very kind yeah. of slower pace, not so in your face, but it's still very aggressive and, and very, very heavy. Yeah, slow pace is all relative to the soundtrack. Right, yeah. yeah. Still a pretty fast track. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me in the beginning of like car engines starting. Mm -hmm. uh, like this would be really cool for a racing game or something like that. But to be honest, this is actually the track that I probably like the least on the soundtrack. I, it's a I little mean, I generic. Could, I could see that. I mean, there, it's very simple when you break it apart. Very simple drums. And it's you can kind of tell where you think it's going to go, I guess. There's, there's not as much of variation or range as some of the other tracks we've seen. Yeah, and it has that kind of cool um, keyboard solo mm -hmm. kind of at the end there. Uh, I, I like that, but I think other than that, it is, you know, place safe. It's not really... You're getting so into the action that it Sakota can do something kind of repetitive and it mm -hmm. doesn't really it doesn't take away from the experience yeah uh, still a cool track I guess. yeah I did notice it had some pretty cool stereo panning where it would play up an entire part in one ear and then play in another kind of call and answer almost with the other ear which I thought was kind of neat like a head trip yeah and then there was I noticed especially in the very beginning and kind of peppered throughout the song there was some really really subtle stuff going on in the background where it sounded like maybe like a guitar was kind of really going at it but like really really softly uh, yeah, it could was be kind of cool. So there was a lot of, even though it was kind of, uh, like you said, a very generic or kind of safe track, it, there was a lot of really little subtle stuff kind of going on. Yeah. And let's talk about the gameplay a little bit, because um, if you haven't played the game, there's there's kind of a lot to it. It's mm -hmm. not just a simple shooter. I mean, there's some simple kind of, I guess, expected elements in it, but there's a lot to it. Right. As far as gameplay goes, Musha doesn't stray too far from that great compile formula that we saw in GG at least. The C button fires the main cannon, and the B button fires your special weapon. The main cannon can be powered up by collecting these power chips that appear on the screen if you destroy these small chip carriers that fly around in your playfield. Yeah, there's also three secondary or special weapons that you can use. There's a piercing laser, a fire-based exploding shot, and rotating shields. Yeah, these are pretty much recycled from previous titles. Even the Game Gear had some of the same ones too, I think. Yeah, and you can upgrade the secondary weapon. All you have to do is collect the same weapon upgrade chip that is equipped. The special weapons are optional, but they're not really optional. Uh, you absolutely need them if you want to get through more than 30 seconds of the first stage. Right. The thing is, whenever you get hit, your special is lost. So you got to be really careful. Right. So you don't die, but you kind of wish you did because <laughs> now you're left with only your main cannon. Yeah. So a hit in the later levels could actually mean that you're no longer powerful enough to make it to the next secondary weapon and basically ending your run. It's brutal, but I totally love it. Yeah. <laughs> So there's one more kind of unique feature that we didn't see in GG at least. Those power chips that upgrade your main cannon have another function. So for every two you collect, you get this little drone called an option that flies beside you. Yeah, these little guys are pretty cool. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same thing as the option shot in Gradius. You can have two options orbiting around you at the same time. And if you acquire extras, they get stored. It's rad because these little things fly by your sides, but you can set them to all sorts of different modes with the A button, like shooting forward, backwards, angle or even kind of rotating around your ship. Yeah, and there's even a free mode where they can just go off and shoot enemies point blank in the face. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It's, yeah. The only thing is, when you have them in free mode, 
I think that they get destroyed yeah. a little easier. So it's it's kind of hard to uh, send the little guys out on their own. It's mm-hmm. like, well, my babies. Yeah, sometimes it can be very helpful. But I mean, all the modes are very useful. So you, as you can see, there's a lot to this gameplay already. Yeah, and also the modes are kind of more required in certain situations. Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of enemies coming up behind you, you want to set options to fire backwards. It's mm-hmm. going to be extremely helpful in that situation. Anyways, let's get into our next track. This is called No Spectre. And it plays during stage five. That was No Spectre, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. That's an awesome track, man. Oh, man. I love this one. So much energy. It's in your face. There's just a lot of little kind of traditional Japanese elements, I think, thrown in there. But it also kind of has a, like, almost like an Egyptian vibe to it, too. I can see some of that with some of the samples and the sustained notes and stuff like that. For me, it was just so full throttle and, like, so intense that it almost felt more like a boss fight track than just like a regular level yeah i mean because i felt like i mean because i know that you're flying in a mech and it just felt like you're just whizzing past everything so fast and things are just you know the drum beat is just everything just passing <laughs> you so quickly and i mean my heart got racing and it was just really cool yeah now there is a lot of call and response i think too in this mm-hmm. one you get that that really like progressive uh kind of metal uh, section and then it kind of transitioned to this like da 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 dun and then it kind of stops and then it goes back yeah into it. I love that part where everything kind of cuts out and there's just like that keyboard slide or whatever yeah now there are there is a little thing I want to solo out here it's channel three and five again uh, it's just it just sounds really cool uh, you want to hear this mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. 
this kind of like uh, it's it's not the lead guitar. It just has so much. I don't know. I just heard that kind of like hammering on, and the other guy just kind of soloing. Mm-hmm. It was just so cool. Yeah, and then you see some more of those like almost classical elements come in again. Right. And I, I thought this track is so fun. Yeah. There's oh, a lot, the, lot going on. Yeah, and that last third of the track is just so crazy. <laughs> it was like continuing to get more and more intense, and I was like, oh my god, it's gonna break, and then <laughs> it just goes off for the last bit. So cool. Yeah, anyways, we got another track to play. This is called Offensive Overdrive, and it's from Stage Six. That was Offensive Overdrive, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. This track has a lot going on. Yeah, it does. A lot of details that just make it so much more full, really rich, very hard-hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. No, there's definitely, like you said, a lot of subtle sounds that are, you may only hear like once in the entire song that are just mixed in there at a certain point. It just adds like an extra layer of feeling to the whole thing. Yeah, there, there's really kind of, I guess, a lot of classical elements in this track as well make it sound uh kind of again that new meets kind of old world sound mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome like metallica meets beethoven <laughs> i swear to god you mentioned another metallica <laughs> reference in this episode uh, uh, yeah i mean there's definitely some very cool like call and answer between like the really heavy like guitar and drums and then that kind of more keyboardy synth part which i thought was really cool a lot of weird variety which i thought was really neat kind of goes really well with all those what, interesting what samples um there was like this like a pattern that you kind of get used to and mm-hmm. then it kind of just keeps going off but it goes off in a way that made me feel like i didn't know where it was going to go like it next. was morphing kind yeah, of yeah as it, the track continued because it didn't really seem to make a full loop back to whatever it was kind of doing before so each time was like progressing into something completely different but the track's not real long so it kind of then once again loops all over again which yeah. i thought was kind of nice so it wasn't just really like loopy within those 46 seconds and then it just continues to loop over and over so yeah no it's it's an excellent track and i think uh it's it's very interesting how it was composed Uh, the whole soundtrack was composed you know there's a lot of the uh the um, nuances that change the main kind of rhythm or the melody Mm -hmm. that kind of morph it like you said over time and uh, we'll see a lot of that in some of the other tracks we got to play too But we actually have a few more tidbits on the gameplay, so let me go ahead and start that off. So when you start up the game, you have two choices when you're sitting on the title screen. You have start game and options. And in the options menu, you can actually listen to all of the game's music through the sound test. I always love it when games do that. Me too, and it makes it a lot easier to rip out the audio from from the game this way. Uh, Also, if you're wondering where all of our track titles come from, it's actually from the the options menu. They have all of the titles listed there. So if they sound bizarre, it's like... uh, That's what they wanted them to be. That's what they wanted them to be. Anyways, in the options menu, you can 
also adjust the difficulty between hard, normal, and easy. But even on easy, this game is brutal. Oh, yeah. And when you get a game over, it takes you back to the title screen where a third continue option becomes available. This lets you start the game from the beginning of the last level that you made it to. Right. This sounds like an awesome feature that will let you slowly chip away at the game. Unfortunately, it really isn't because you're stripped of all your power-ups, special attacks, and even have zero option drones after continuing. Yeah, and when you have to continue from later levels, starting with just the standard cannon, your basic weapon, uh, it you can pretty much guarantee that you're just going to keep getting game overs, you know, time and time after. Right. Uh, it, this is one of the the things that takes Musha to like a whole new level of difficulty because essentially to be strong enough to beat the game, you need to pretty much never die because even a death without getting a game over leaves you without any power-ups or any specials, anything like that. Yeah, it looks like I can say with 100% confidence that I will probably never beat this game. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it comes down to practice, which Musha requires you to do a lot of. And, um, oh, you know, I wanted to uh, also mention that there is a speed select feature. Oh, yeah. I mean, we played a bunch of this game before we even knew that the speed select was even a thing. So, in fact, the only reason we came across it was because we looked at Musha's manual. Yeah. So, the way it works is while you're playing the game, you hit the start button and it pauses the game. And basically, on the D pad, if you hit left or right, it will, this little tiny bar at the top, mm -hmm. I think it's like eight little nodes, little arrows, yeah. uh, will kind of go up and down. And that's the speed that your mech flies at. And uh, it's it's kind of nice because it doesn't slow anything else down. It just slows your your you know your character down. Right. There's times in the game where you need to fly in extremely tight situations, and moving around at full speed is way too sensitive, causing you to run into enemies and obstacles like moving walls or rocks. Oh yeah. So with all of that on top of it, you can't touch the walls and have to watch out for things like rock formations. Yeah. So now that we've thoroughly crushed your hopes of ever beating the game, uh, <laughs> let's get into our next track. What do we have next? Next up, we have Aggressive Attack from Stage 7.
You just heard Aggressive Attack from Stage 7, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. It definitely fits its name. It's very aggressive, very fast-paced. Um, a lot of notes are going on, but I really liked how, even though everything was so fast-paced and so heavy-hitting, there was these really long, sustained notes on top, which I, I thought was, was very cool. I was going to say the same thing. I really liked the kind of, uh, kind of floaty, kind of, I guess, soaring notes on top mm-hmm. that have... Uh, a little bit more ground to them rather than the uh, extreme, you know, intense rhythm section that we hear. So yeah. I, I thought that was a really cool kind of contrast. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed, too, is that, you know, in the beginning of some of these tracks, they're very kind of repetitious and very fast paced. And then right away, they kind of break into something very like heroic and soaring kind of melody. But this one, it makes you feel like it's going to do that. But then it opts to go and stay very aggressive, which I thought was kind of neat. So it was, yeah. I was kind of ready for it to be very heroic feeling like yeah go do it and then it's just like no there's still a barrage <laughs> of attacks coming so. right uh, this is actually I want to say probably the most aggressive track in the game mm-hmm. uh, I mean the title it suits it pretty well I yeah think. but uh, I, I do I, I do think this track is pretty cool it's pretty kick-ass yeah. to listen to a lot right. of fun and I really like that that uh, stereo pan like slide that it did I was like whoa that, oh, like, yeah, super yeah. tripped me out the first time I heard it yeah really cool uh, so we haven't talked about the graphics much yet. You want to get started on that? Yeah, this game is gorgeous. It is. It is v- extremely beautiful. So much detail. They have really cool textures and patterns. A lot of different uh, variety in your levels and stuff like that, which is always really cool. I mean, we mentioned before that there's like moving walls and there's obstacles like rock formations that you have to fly between, which was kind of frustrating. It reminded me a little bit of like uh, Battletoads, if that part was top down, <laughs> oh, the, yeah, you know, yeah. the running into the walls. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, th- this game just completely blew me away. I mean, we thought the G- the GG Elise game was really beautiful, and this is just incredibly gorgeous. Yeah. I When we were talking about the uh, kind of feudal Japan meets New World kind of part, uh, I, I want to bring up level one because that's kind of where you first mm-hmm. first start the game and uh, you really see all these old traditional Japanese houses kind of sitting on like railroad tracks. And yeah. like, it's, it's really awkward and it has kind of like this steampunk feel to it, but not really steampunk. It's more right. like electrical i don't know how to explain it but it's it's really interesting yeah it's it i mean it's definitely very cool because like you said it's these very traditional looking buildings but they're like tanks like they're like moving like moving shrines and stuff like that and they're attacking you they're releasing enemies and it's really kind of cool to see that mixture of you know flying around instead of them just being like tanks on the ground they're like moving with you on like a monorail or something. yeah and it's above the water and it's very cool yeah and they all have these uh kind of like heavy machinery sticking out of them which mm-hmm. is, is pretty awesome your character though musha at least is uh is it's interesting because it's a like a top-down view mm-hmm. and when your character moves uh you can actually see the mech like legs kind of sway to the sides yeah, it's, same it's thing really when, rad same thing when you move forwards and backwards is such a cool idea for the sprite just to make something simple like the back part of them doesn't really move around um right. but seeing the legs swing around was really cool uh, and I mean, another really cool thing about the sprite work in this game is the bosses are insane. Right. They are so cool. Uh, Back to faces again. Yeah. Lots of faces like giant, like ships traveling through lava that have like a face on the back of it. Um, and one of my favorite bosses of really any game, it starts out with that very traditional, like white mask. 
of right. like the, the female mask and then you break Almost it like apart. like a no mask. Yeah. yeah. And then you break it apart and it's so disgusting underneath. It's really cool. <laughs> no, I really liked uh, level. I think it was like right after level two because I, I got all the way to like level. I want to say I got to level four mm-hmm. uh, on my own. I was I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, I got to level two. Yeah. <laughs> but well, we got to level two together and that's where. Um, you're you're flying through this kind of close quarters like the walls are kind of moving in on you mm-hmm. and then uh, all of a sudden after you beat the boss the floor breaks away yeah and uh, it breaks away and below you is this kind of chasm that was reminding me a lot of the uh, the I think it was GG at least two. On yeah, the it, was, game gear. it was definitely one of the GG Elise levels had like a chasm that the enemies looked, were popping out of. It looked just like it. And I was like, oh man, that's kind of a, a cool little, you know, either, well, you know, GG Elise on the Game Gear came out after this. So mm-hmm. it's not really a homage, but maybe there was some kind of, oh, let's borrow some of this. So. Which I think kind of leads into the, the following level. So it's right. almost like everything is one continuous transition into the next level, which was really cool. Right. Now, it kind of makes it hard. There's uh, there's not a lot of room between the top of the screen and the bottom. Right. But I think with this, there the, the game slows down enough to where you can really move around the screen pretty well. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like you're just blasting forward the whole time. It does slow down. But the problem is is that there's this barrage of bullets just always on the screen. Yeah. And they're all different, too. Like, different enemies have different, like, projectiles they'll throw at you. So you have to constantly just, like, out of your peripheral vision, see where everything is and kind of maneuver your way around the level. Yeah, because, I mean, each enemy has, like, its own different look to a bullet. So you're kind of constantly, like trying to remember that's a bullet and that's that's something i gotta avoid because I, there was a lot of times when i was playing that the little uh sprite chips or the little um, power chips, power yeah. chips would fall and i would avoid it because i was like oh wait no yeah. i didn't want to avoid that because you just are trying to avoid everything at all times yeah but when you upgrade your weapons you get these ex- massive blasters yeah. that just like totally take out everything on the screen that's why dying really sucks because yeah. you no longer have that so uh it's, it's you know it's crucial to gameplay to to keep you know staying alive obviously yeah i mean they made it very clear in the very beginning of the game that the first couple of times i played through i wasn't progressing my cannon fast enough mm-hmm. and i just kept dying but then there was one time where i really got in a groove and i was like oh man i'm doing it i'm doing it this yeah. is really cool and i ended up beating the first boss so i was pretty excited that it really makes it very clear that this game is very hard but there is a way to do it and you have to be careful yeah and it's again practice 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 mm-hmm. but uh, i did want to bring up the opening intro because mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty it's pretty awesome yeah you see uh, eleanor or terry sitting in like in the cockpit of musha least and uh, she's talking to the commander and you it, this really cool view of uh her kind of sitting on this you know on this chair and you have this glass kind of wall i guess it's the the visor of the mech yeah uh, just kind of all around you and while you're talking to like uh the different uh other soldiers their screens will pop up on that on that glass it looks Mm -hmm. really cool for the sega genesis this was so so awesome yeah it was very futuristic feeling and at, at first like you're seeing all these cool like gradients and textures and stuff on her visor and then it pops up you can see her face and then you could see like this really like you said this really cool view of her ship and then how like you can either see through things or it's through the visor and stuff like that and it was just very futuristic and just the fact that there was an opening that had dialogue Right. And told a story, and you knew what was going on right before. And then there's even like a top-down cutscene of all right. the other mechs getting yep. blown up. 
and it transitions directly into the first level. Yeah. So it was a very cool open. They put a lot of time and thought into making this game really kind of stand out and know what's going on and see your characters and give you your motivation for the game. Right. Anyways, we got some more tracks to play. We got two, actually. This is Stratospheric Struggle, and then we're going to follow that with Alpha Wave. You just heard Stratospheric Struggle and Alpha Wave, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. That first track was hot, man. Way crazy. Oh, man. And then that second track just felt way out of place. It <laughs> definitely <laughs> did. It was a totally different style, but I mean, especially when you compare that first track, Stratospheric Struggle, I mean, it is so intense, so fast-paced, and they had a really cool juxtaposition of like hyper-fast drums and those really long trailing notes, but... I felt like this track, he just was like, okay, what haven't I used a lot of? And I'm going to do like trills and scales and pitch pens and <laughs> slides. Put it all and, in, yeah. all, all, you know, throw all your chips on the table. No, this this track was, uh, the bass line alone was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. My jaw dropped. I was just like, oh man, this is awesome. I think this plays during a boss fight. Um, I would guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. Because it doesn't have a level pertaining to it so right so i'm pretty sure it is i just i haven't made it that far in the game yet, so i'm not exactly sure but i do know that alpha wave uh plays right after you uh you finish the final boss yeah so it's not like the credits but it's more like the final cutscene where where you get to see eleanor kind of all beat up again and and you know she survived which i thought the track was really that was cool yeah really cool it was kind of very (laughs) yeah it was very dreamy and kind of shows that sakota could do something that's slower paced yeah (laughs) it just felt so awkward being you know in the soundtrack but at the same time you know you got to think okay all of your your comrades have been you know 
killed off mm-hmm. and you fight you went through like hell to to get where you're at and you finally defeated everything yeah. so let's lighten the the mood a little bit oh yeah i mean i can imagine finishing that boss you're probably have very little health left I mean, you lost all your power-ups and you're just trying to make it and then you do it and you're just like oh yeah and then it breaks into this like all right calm down let's let your adrenaline kind of drain out yeah and just get your heart nice back track yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm really excited because we are going to have Toshiaki Sakoto with us for a few minutes. And this is the first time we've had a Japanese composer on the show. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. The interview is going to be in Japanese, but we'll figure out how to make it work. Yeah, I think we'll we'll make it work. Sakoto-san, today,僕たちに貴重なお時間をいただきありがとうございます。前回のエピソードで、僕たちはサカルさんのGGアレスタの作品について触れました。また過去のエピソードの中でトレジャーハンターGのサコヒンのことを話しました。それでこのエピソードはメグドライブのムシャのBGMについてサコルさんと話をしていきたいと思います。So Mr. Sakoto, thank you so much for joining us today. In the previous episode, we talked about your work on GG Elise and also in the past talked about Treasure Hunter G, which you had done some work on. But today we're going to be talking about your composition on the Musha soundtrack. So let me start by asking how you got into composing uh, music, just in general. Yeah, so when I was in junior high, we had an assignment to write about what we wanted to be when we grew up. So my first choice was to become a pro golfer, uh, and then I wanted to be a composer. Was there a particular style or genre that you were trained or interested in? Any favorite band or artist? Van Halen's my favorite. And we've actually uh, done some work together. So how did you get into doing music for video games? Well, I had planned to become a pro golfer, but I was unfortunately involved in a car accident, so I ended up not going down that path. Soon after, I joined up with Compile. What was it like for you composing on hardware that had strict limitations? For example, only a few voices on the MSX or the Sega Master System. Well, there's only three tone channels, but I was able to develop a workaround to utilize four. That's about it. So what was it like working for Compile? It seems like to us, you guys really enjoyed making games. Well, Yeah, Compile had a lot of talented people working for it. They were truly skillful. Even if they didn't work at Compile, they all would have been very successful elsewhere. But you like working there? I really liked working there. So back to the music, we were analyzing the soundtrack for Gigi Elise in our last episode, but Musha takes a, a completely new approach to the sound style. How is this, uh, or was this how you intended the previous titles to sound, or was it unique to Musha? 
。あ、えっ、ー、と、ジージアレスタは、あのー、えっ、ー、と、まあ、会社側の命令で、あのー、あんまり派手なスタイルはやめてくれと。あ、そうですか。言われたんで、僕のスタイルの曲じゃない。So, for Gigi Elise, the company pretty much told me what the game should sound like, and the sound that they wanted didn't really match my style.、Mm-hmm. I'm actually a classically trained guitarist.、Mm-hmm. If you listen carefully, Musha actually has a lot of classical music influences. However, The same can't be said for Gigi at least. All right, so let's get into another track from Musha. This is Armed Armor from Stage 3. You just heard Armed Armor or Stage 3 from Musha on the Sega Genesis. I thought this was a, a pretty kick ass track, dude. Oh, yeah, I, re- I totally loved it. I loved how it's super fast paced, and the game already is really fast paced and intense, so it just adds a whole new layer of intensity and just ready to you know, fry your nerves. <laughs> and then I also liked how the track is very menacing and then gets heroic kind of back and forth. Yeah, I like that soaring part in there that kind of、mm-hmm. has this. This weird, it's, I guess it's like a, like a bass kind of drum. Like it almost sounds like plucking strings that are like, dum, 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 dum,、mm-hmm. dum, dum. I, I really like that about this track. It's pretty, pretty awesome. So, Sakura san, could you tell us a little bit about this track? Yeah, so there's an intense assault happening in the game. So the music had to match that intensity. だから、ムシャーレッサっていうのは、あの世界で初めての,あのヘビーメタ組曲なんで、だからあの、最初から、はい、ゲ,ゲームをしなくても音楽だけであの組曲になっているものなので、そうですよね。その一つですよね。And really, Musha Elise was the first heavy metal soundtrack suite in a video game, and my thought was, independently from playing, 
the soundtrack could stand on its own. Well, I think you succeeded there because that's how we're listening to it now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so awesome that it was planned to be listened outside of the game. So how did you compose the soundtrack for Musha? Did you use your own sound driver or or what? Could you explain this a bit? Yeah, sure. If you're talking about the system, I used my own sound driver. It's basically the sound driver that I created and then actually did the envelopes. While developing the actual guitar sound, I think it took me about two weeks to get it where I really wanted it. And it was tough because I had to think about how FM handles low and high registers and how to normalize them to make the guitar sound as authentic and as close to a real guitar as possible. Exactly. Even though it's FM, it sounds very true to a real electric guitar. Yeah, I really got into the business professionally when I was 19. And even at that time, I had really high standards for what I wanted to create. So that's why it took me so long to create the sound to my expectations. So are you also a programmer? Well, I'm a programmer when it's related to audio. On that note, would you say it was easier to write music for the Genesis as opposed to, let's say, the Master System? Like maybe the tools were more refined or something? Yeah, the Mm. Genesis was definitely more difficult. But the Genesis was the main system I composed on, and I ported a lot of music to other systems from the Genesis. So in researching the show, we came across something that we thought was kind of interesting. Oh. For the U.S. version of this game, you were credited as Washija, but in the Japanese version, you were credited as Mr. Sakoda. Is there a reason for that? Ah, pen name. It was a pen name. Well, I had a lot of pen names. Sometimes I used Pro Golfer Sakoda. Okay, so let's play another track from the game. Next up, we have For the Love Of, and we'll be right back.
All right, you just heard For the Love of, composed by Toshiaki Sokoda for Musha on the Sega Genesis. I really like this track too. It's very heavy. I love how heavy it starts out. And then Isn't that baseline killer? Yeah, I mean it's it I mean it's really feels like someone's standing on your chest like you're in trouble and it has this part that is kind of comes back and it's like kind of like that montage sound that I like. <laughs> right, right, right. And for me if I was the bad guy I would feel like this might be the point where I'm in trouble and I've pushed the hero a little bit too far. So <laughs> uh, I also like how there's like that main melody that's on top that's really kind of in your face. Mm-hmm. And then there's this real subtle like keyboard melody underneath that's, that really is what gives it that montage feel to me because it has that emotional quality to it. Right. And I really like that how it's kind of very subtle. Yeah, I also liked how it it starts off it starts off really heavy like you said and then it kind of gets into this more mellow section mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that guitar makes its way back in but it's really kind of poetic it comes in and like it's just really graceful and like this guy's on stage with big, you know, tight pants and huge hair and <laughs> yeah. just rocking out. I really like this track. That was cool. Great way to end the game too. Yeah. We've played a lot of music so far, so this is a really kind of a little bit slower of a track and uh, I think it really like ends the ends the soundtrack really yeah, well. Yeah, just because it's slower, it doesn't lose that intensity to it. Exactly. It's like a different kind of intensity. Right. So, Mr. Sakota, could you tell us a little bit about this track? Well, it only took me 30 minutes to write. Wow, that's pretty fast. Yeah, that's nuts. So for this song, it's when the game ends, and I wanted to embody that you're done feeling with that track. If you can actually get that far in the game. Yeah, if you made it that far, I'm sure you'd appreciate it. <laughs> Anyways, it was amazing track. Yeah, amazing baseline. Oh, <laughs> Thank you very much. So I have a question. What's with the meaning of the title? It kind of leaves us hanging a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I just labeled everything with numbers. The management actually did all the naming. That's why the first time I said the track, you had no idea what we were talking about. Yeah, I always wondered to English speakers if any of these titles made any sense. So the music you've written is still popular today and has a ton of fans. I'm sure the other game audio junkies are wondering about your recent composition. So where can we find your current work? Well, I have an album out right now, but it's only in Japan, unfortunately. And even so, it's currently sold out. I mean, also, not only compile, but I've done a lot of music all over, even some movie scores. I think in total, I've written about 48,000 songs. And also, I've been working with this Dutch game company. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I can't talk about that right now, but I think it's going to be shown at the Tokyo Game Show. That'll be great then. We're looking forward to what you guys produce. 
So, do you have any plans to come do any live shows in the U.S. or the U.K.? I'm planning on going that way in August. New York Maybe around New York, but I'm not sure yet. Maybe your first stop could be San Francisco? <laughs> I could come to San Francisco, at least to come hang out. Can I stay at your place? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Mr. Sakota, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. So today we covered the heavy metal suite from Musha on the Sega Genesis, or Mega Drive, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda. Had a lot of fun. And also want to thank Pete for coming down here to read off my translations for Sakoda-san's voiceover. Very awesome of you, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Pete. If you want to know more about the show, you can check us out online at pixelatedaudio.com for show notes and track lists. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pixelated Audio. Yeah, and if you have a few minutes on your phone or on the computer, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It means a lot to us, and we really appreciate it. want to give a thanks to... Oh, man. Never going to be able to say this. Want to <laughs> take a stab at it? Sure. Uh, G-D-R-B-B-E-H-E-W-U-W-J-E-B-B-R-J-R-7273846382. Thank you for your review. <laughs> yeah, from the UK. Awesome. Very nice of you. And there was also Holly Zion from the US. I uh, want to say thank you very much for the review. Uh, way cool of you. And uh, yeah, just keep the reviews coming, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out some of our past episodes. Obviously, if you haven't listened to Gigi Elise, go back and listen to that one. But there's also recent episodes like Granada and Sunset Riders. Oh, and the Treasure Hunter G episode, too. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely a good one. If you want to hear more of Sakota Sun's work on the SNES JRPG Treasure Hunter G, that was a really fun show with beautiful music. Yeah, that was episode 35. Yeah, I think 35. It's a while ago. Man, feels like forever ago. <laughs> also want to give a shout to VGMRips.net. If you guys want to listen to sample accurate video game music, this is the place to go. You can download packs, explore new stuff. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of learning you can do. Great great site. Yeah, so anyways, the track taking us out. This is this is kind of awesome. Yeah, so let me explain it. So we found a cover of a Musha track Sakota-san did on YouTube, and we asked him if we could use that at the end of the show, and he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah we were both kind of oh yeah and then he said don't use that one use this one instead yeah you guys are gonna love it sakota-san could you explain this track a little bit so this was supposed to be on a compilation cd I think it was around 2013. Anyways, that was the plan, but it turned out that the publishing company decided to go with the original sound source, so this track ended up not being needed after all. All right, so the track taking us out is called For the Love Of, and this was rearranged and composed by Toshiaki Sakoda. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you back in a few weeks for our two-year anniversary episode. Yeah, two years. It's going to be a big one. I hope so. Anyways, thank you guys, and we'll see you soon.